podcast to discuss the 1980s TV show Scarecrow Mrs. King. I'm Tiffin Peterson, and I'm joined by friends Lexi Fema and Taya Johnston, as well as our very special guest, Greg Morton, to discuss season four, episode One Flew East, which aired February 27th, 1987. It was filmed and shown 18th of the season four's 22 episodes. This episode was directed by Sigmund Newfield Jr. Sigmund has directed one episode from each season, which is interesting. He started out directing season one episode Remembrance of Things Past, season two's episode Burnout, and then season three's episode One Bear Dances, One Bear Doesn't, and One Flew East is his season four contribution to directing. This episode was written by David Brown. David also wrote several past episodes, including J. Edgar's Ghost, Wrong Number, The Boy Who Could Be King, Photo Finish, and Promises to Keep and wrote the upcoming episode, A Matter of Choice. So for guest stars, we'll start talking about the Mayfields, Father Archibald and daughter Laura. Archibald Mayfield was played by Michael Higgins. He was from New York and started acting in 1948. He's worked on 97 projects until his death in 2008. Uh, Laura Mayfield was played by Jane Modane. Jane was a model in the late 1970s, appearing on the cover of three different issues of Seventeen magazine. I remember I still like looking at Seventeen magazine. She acted from 1983 and 1991. Sydney Rollins was played by Mark Stevens. Mark's background included training to be an Olympic diver for Canada on the high springboard, which is super interesting, but dangerous, which might have been how he got a back injury doing springboard diving, which kept him from competing and also from serving in World War II. Since then, he had 75 acting credits from 1943 to 1987 in various roles, and then moved to Europe and spent a decade operating a restaurant in Spain, which also seems super interesting. Brad Donaldson was played by Bruce Fairborn. Bruce was known for playing Officer Chris Owens in The Rookies from 1974 to 76. He also made an appearance in Charlie's Angels in season two. He went on to act in several 80s and 90s TV shows, including Matt Houston, Remington Steele, Simon & Simon, Matt Locke, and L.A. Law, and his last acting credit was in 2000. So our last guest star, uh, Rodney Hobart, was played by Art LaFure. Art has 169 acting credits from 1978 to 2017, one of which included Charlie's Angels in season three. And that's all for the guest stars. Lee and Amanda help a woman after she blames the agency when her father, an activist, is kidnapped. Not the entire synopsis. <laughs> yeah, they're supposed <laughs> to be one it's sentence. They're supposed to be one sentence. What would you have said? Well, say it again. <laughs> I, I figured I should put something in there about your character, but I didn't. Uh, well, well, Jamie's a little puss about <laughs> his mom's new boyfriend. How about that? Uh, no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I just said that because he, he was just in my synopsis. Okay. I said, I said, Lee and Amanda help a woman after she blames the agency when her father, an activist, is kidnapped. Okay. And I can say, and Lee navigates the, the uncharted waters of becoming a stepfather to the boys. And subplot. There you go. I like that. Yeah, I mean, yeah. Thanks for pushing me for better. I appreciate that. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. I said thank you for pushing me to be better. Yes. Yes. I'm actually just pushing you to talk more about me, but that's okay. <laughs> well, that yeah. ma- that makes it better, right? Not really. <laughs> I don't know what's scarier than being a stepfather to teenagers. Any 
Yeah, I think I think the only thing scarier, Jen, would be becoming a stepfather to two teenage daughters. <laughs> I don't know. I think teenage boys. My boys give me a run for my money. Really? My girls were, my girls were easy. My boys are... No, I knock on wood. Mine are so easy. Uh, How were your girls? My girls were easy, pe- Easy peasy. Even their teenage yeah. years when they're hormonal and all that? Well, I mean... They went through a period of time where I was not their favorite person in the world. Well, you're not supposed to be. That's normal. Right. Um, but, uh, no, I mean, my kids are amazing because my wife is amazing, not because anything Here, I here, do. she is. I mean, She's pretty cool. I'm a bystander. You're not a uh, bystander. But, no, I mean, I'm not, I'm not, uh, I'm not a, totally not in their lives, and, I mean, they're not completely not awesome because of me but i mean seriously my wife is she's a great great role model she's a great mom and um they are growing up to be very very much like her and sandra still is is providing great examples for them you know she's a at her retired age she started a new business and you know and doing really well she's doing really really well and you know she's trying new things, so no, yeah. That's good. I mean, I, my kids were my kids were awesome. You know, it's everyone else's kids that are a problem. <laughs> you sound like my husband. My husband says the same thing. I don't like kids except my own. <laughs> well, so the, the the saying people always say this. They always go, "Oh, my kids are great. I don't like other people's kids." And I always like to tell those people, "Your kids are other people's kids." <laughs> True. Yeah, I mean, I just realized. I think both parents are super important, but I've just recognized the, the very important role fathers play with sons. I mean, I think moms have very important roles with both sons and daughters, but with sons especially, I don't know. There's just something about the father, the father role, and kind of stepping in. He's stepping in and being a stepfather to two boys. I know he has a good father. They have a good father yeah. um, with. But he's not Freddy, a. But, He's not a their father. That's the thing. He's yeah. Not, right. And that, that's a problem. That's something that they definitely could have pursued uh, in later seasons is that, mm-hmm. you know, sons always want to be like their dad. Yeah. But mom is always number one in their heart. Oh, I'm so glad to hear that. <laughs> well, I mean, ask, ask any professional athlete, you know, and the first thing they do is, hi, mom. You know, yeah, on that's TV, true. They're always waving or saying hi to their mom that's or true. thanking their mom. mom is Football players, yeah. Like that. Yeah, you're right. You're right. Oh, boy, and boys without dads during the teenage years, I think, really yeah. struggle sometimes. Yeah. Things. Or not. It, it can be a father a figure. Yeah. You can have a father yeah. figure and be, and that can be equally as important. I think. You know, it's just different. It's a little bit different. Yeah. Yeah. And that's what Jamie was reaching out. He didn't know it, but he was reaching out for that father. <laughs> he was conflicted, but he had... And we will discuss it. And I, I know you probably didn't take this, Greg, as I meant it, but I really do think this was your best acting in this episode. The, the true, like, your facial expressions and, and how you interacted with Kate were so on the spot. I mean, just, like, so... You just hit it right on the head. Uh, the the exact look of what a kid would do. You know what I mean? It just, and I'll point it out when we're watching it, but you really did. It just, I think it was your best acting that you did 
in the whole well, series. Yeah. I, I mean, honestly, that was a period in, in my life where I was, I was struggling at home. So teen angst on set was just came natural. <laughs> well, we it came through. It, it did come through. Let's talk about the glasses when we, when yeah. We start in talking. the brace, yeah. you have the brass braces in the, in the glasses. Yeah. Yeah. And you wonder why I got bullied. Aww. I would those have beat class, him. I was a bully. Wearing... I I navigated the bullies away from. I would take the when I saw somebody getting bullied, I would go attack the bully in a verbal sense. I would attack the bully to draw their attention to me because I knew I could handle them, and I knew that the person that was getting bullied couldn't. So like I pulled them over to, to put their their are you know their um anger toward me instead of the person they were picking on i always did that growing up because i had older brothers so i got bullied a lot at home where were you when i was a kid i know i said we were two we were on opposite ends of the country i would have done it though for you because that's just how i was well come out here (laughs) you still have somebody bullying you oh that's it She's a she's a twenty five year old that I work with. <laughs> no, seriously, you do have somebody like that. She's about four feet tall. No, she's sweetheart. But, okay. Um, That's no, funny. but she's, seriously, she's like four feet tall. She's twenty five years old. Man, she's mean. Oh no! <laughs> wow. So we have the revised shooting final dated January 30th of 1987. There are some changes. There are some cute changes. The first one before we even get into the film version, just to set the stage of the difference. So we have the the Mayfield and um, Laura uh, conversation uh, where he's feeling a little paranoia. But then it goes into Lee's apartment, which is filmed, but it's a little different than how it was filmed. So Lee and Amanda are on the sofa reading the newspaper. Uh, the remains of coffee, juice, and croissants are on the table in front of them. Absorbed in his reading, Lee absently reaches for his coffee cup, just as Amanda does the same thing. Lee dumps a teaspoon of sugar, which obviously this writer didn't realize because Lee's character hates sugar. So that we'll have to ignore there. But in his cup, Amanda puts a dollop of cream in hers, then still not watching, they accidentally pick up each other's cup, settle back on the sofa behind their papers. A beat, then we hear both of them react. Lee says, cream. Amanda says, sugar. The newspaper comes down. Lee and Amanda exchange a look, a smile, and then they trade cups. And then he goes into the weekender about uh, the weekender supplement being great because it's giving him ideas to to do things with Philip and Jamie. And then Amanda says, smiling, that's awfully sweet, but don't overdo it. It'll take some time for them to get used to you. And he says, and vice versa, but everything I've read about this sort of thing. And she says, you're ready. You're reading up on it. You are sweet. And then he goes on from there and we see most of the film version from there. But that was cute. That would have been cute, kind of a cute little scene, but except for obviously the incorrect, uh, coffee situation but mm-hmm. but cute nonetheless you said all that and you go oh that would have been cute and Lacey goes mm-hmm. <laughs> I give her she okay listen I say on mute because in editing right like quiet as possible that's my goal right and we've got three people on one line but she's not always looking at the video and so she's not seeing me nodding so right. I give that little mm-hmm to just give her something I need to know because otherwise I feel like I'm in a vacuum just talking yeah she'll get halfway through like hello is anyone and i'm like is anybody here trying to be quiet so that the line is clean but anyway so that's what that's about you're gonna hear it (laughs) you want to do it feel free you know spice it up be like yeah okay sounds good be my yes man (laughs) 
Okay. And then there's a little different part too. When Billy comes in to the apartment in the film version, they don't really react. They're not trying to hide the fact that they're together over the weekend, right? That they're, that she happens to be at his place early in the morning and that sort of thing. It also gets a little saucy too. Uh, So Amanda says, he'll open up. It's just going to take some time about you, uh, Greg, about your character. And Lee says, and Lee says, snuggling, uh, speaking of which, how about I take about an hour of yours? And Amanda says, what did you have in mind? And Lee leans over, whispers into Amanda's ear, and she smiles. Continuing, she says, that's a great idea. They stand and head hand in hand toward the bedroom. The doorbell rings. Lee frowns, crosses to answer the door, revealing a rather deceptic, Billy Melrose, he moves past Lee into the apartment, nodding to Amanda as he does. Billy says to Amanda, helping Lee catch up on the background reports. And Amanda says, yes, sir, you know how these pile up. And Billy's uh, Billy's heard this one before. And then they go on from there. (laughs) So they didn't really acknowledge uh, that, you know, she's at his place on the weekend, very early in the morning, obviously having just had some breakfast. So it was kind of interesting way to start it but unfortunately we don't get to see, you see that it is a little bit you know yeah i was surprised she didn't follow up with what are we gonna do for the other 45 minutes <laughs> she, you think he's only needs 15 he is a man of action you know my point is that- <laughs> they, are, they are just married so i mean yeah the they're probably like little rabbits <laughs> so instead i'm sorry lexi that i started this <laughs> We got spice things up a little bit here. The lack of Kate makes us have a little more uh, spiciness. Uh, to, I know what the next podcast is going to be about. <laughs> Those perverts are on there. So the episode actually opens uh, with a cab outside. Uh, there's Freedom Hall. And we're in the middle of, we, we get to hear the um, kind of the ending of this gentleman's poetry, in a sense. It is poetry, which yeah. is interesting. Yeah, it is. Um, and he's talking about um, kind of a mix of things. It's like the environment, nuclear armament, you know, all those different aspects of things um, that were concerns back then and are still concerns now. And um, yeah. he's kind of a professor type. And he's got a full room. I mean, they all seem like they're interested. They seem like they're there. Yeah, they're there. They're there. They didn't get up and leave. I'm sure they knew what they were getting into. And then there's two guys in the back uh, that don't look like they belong there. They just seem like they're there to kind of watch over him. Um, Not that they're there to actually listen. And so he kind of ends the program with the kind of a last thought. Those goons in the back are kind of reluctant to clap. But uh, he says, let me leave you with one more thought. Our government has 7,829 nuclear warheads pointed at the Soviet Union. They have about the same amount. Do you think either of us needs any more? He said it a little more dramatic but I can't go that way and so they are all are clapping there and he gets up he sees the two goons in the background and gets a little worried he goes directly to his daughter who we learn is Laura and um warns her about uh you know being worried about the 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 goons and he he's referring to them as agents and he's telling her that they've come to get him and so he hands off 
his, I guess, journal to her that it's going, it kind of unlocks his research that he's done and it'll make everything make more sense in case something happens to him. He actually called it a diary. It's the key to all his research. And uh, so she offers to take him to the airport. He says it's too dangerous. And then he heads out to uh, catch a cab. And uh, then he doesn't actually make it. um, Well, he doesn't, he makes it into the cab, but then he doesn't make it to the airport. And uh, he's actually, when he gets in, somebody else jumps in with him. One of the goons from earlier jumps in with him. And then obviously they, they, like I said, they don't make it to the airport. He's like, shut up, drive. (laughs) Okay. Then we get the fun. Does anyone else think he looks like uh, Von Trapp from The Sound of Music a little bit? No. Oh, Christopher Plummer? <laughs> yeah. A little bit, now that you <laughs> you mentioned that. You know, when I first looked at him, like, is he like rooted in him or what the heck? I think, yeah, a little <laughs> bit. I love that that movie. That was such a good movie. It broke my heart when I realized that he wasn't the actual singer in there, that he wasn't singing those songs. <laughs> Just kind of... It was a little disappointing. Yeah, well, I don't think they're related, but I think they look a little like. No, they. It, I see. I see what you're saying, though, a little bit. They could be cousins. <laughs> you heard it here first, folks. <laughs> so instead, we uh, we actually instead of what we uh, what I read from the script, we actually get uh, a, a cute scene still, um, just not as uh, sassy, I guess, <laughs> and. Uh, uh, Lee's kind of excited. I do really enjoy that he's kind of excited and, you know, he's not, while he's still a little treading lightly on things, he's super excited about the fact of having a family finally and having, you know, the house out in Rockville and, you know, that kind of thing. Um, and he's, yeah. you know, jumping in where most guys would just be like, well, the kids either like me or they don't. I don't care. I'm not going to make an effort. He actually seems like he's really interested in, in getting to know your uh, character and, and, and Philip. Yes. I think it's sweet. Mm-hmm. Because it's not his, it's not a natural thing for him. He never had no, that. No, it, it's actually a really good, um, you know, extension of what could have been, um, you know, with the series moving forward. Yeah. Is less about the, um, you know, the spy stuff. I mean, the spy stuff was still majority of the show, but right. more about their personal lives together. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, because it was always his personal life her personal life, never the personal life. And then when it was their personal life together, it was always these stolen little moments instead of now everybody, the whole family knows that they're at least dating, right? They could have had those, all those moments together. It would have been a lot more fun to see all five of you, uh, interacting, you know? Yeah. Cause it was rare. We only got it to, got to see it a few times in season four, Mm -hmm. once in season three. And that was only the four of you because of um, Beverly wasn't involved in that that part of it, but still interesting. So he's saying that uh, the Weekender is giving him some great ideas. Um, he's found at least a half dozen good ideas to uh, break the ice with Philip and Jamie. I do like her hair like that up a little bit. I do too. It's, it's really dark now. It's a lot darker than it was. Yeah. Than it has been in the past. But I, I like this. Later on in the episode, or yeah, later on in the episode, it, it looks... It definitely looks darker, but it, she, it she looks... She goes through a couple different looks in this episode. Yeah, she really hair. does. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it almost doesn't look like it's her hair. Might not be. Yeah, it might not be. Her wardrobe was peak 80s. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like this casual one she's got on. I would wear mm-hmm. that. Yeah, for sure. I would wear that right now. Amanda says that he doesn't have to try so hard. You know that Philip really, really uh, is 
is kind of enamored with him. And he goes, yeah, he's like, he didn't seem concerned with Philip. Like he has kind of a, a lot of things in common with him. And mm-hmm. he said, you know, he pointed out that Jamie's going to be the tough one. And I think because he's more. Hey, I, am. I have high expectations. Yeah, you do. Well, you're also the baby of the family. Yes. You know, it's actually a true story. Being the uh, golden child, both in real life and on television. <laughs> Why is I that? Be centered around me. Is it like the baby of the family always seems to get like the extra? Yeah, extra we love. always joke. My my littlest brother, he's the favorite. It bugs the hell out of my mom because she says it's not, but they just have like this special bond. I think especially when it's a boy too with the mom. Yeah. I think, I think we realized that's our last one, you know, and like you, you take, you might've taken the first, you know, one or two or whatever, how many kids you have, you might've taken them for granted, you know, them being little for so long. And then you have your baby and you know, like, this is the last one. You got to milk it for everything it's worth maybe, or it could just be that they're extra special. I don't know. I'm the second to last. So, you know, I know the other thing I was talking earlier about the, the, um, the script that I wrote and, yeah. and one of the things that I was telling people about why I had uh, Amanda and Lee separated mm-hmm. was because conflict is good television. Totally. And and that's why I think this storyline on a on the family level is really good because there's conflict. Yeah. And that's why people watch. And it's true to it's true to nature. I mean, this this does happen in a lot of relationships. You know, there's a lot of blended families out there, and they don't just all they neatly go in. Along, no one would care. I mean, it would just be like, oh, okay, great, they they got along. It wouldn't be interesting, and it wouldn't be engaging. And, right. You know, you gotta have issues. You gotta have uh, what Aaron Sorkin calls obstacles. Yep. Uh, you know, you have to have intention, and then you have to have obstacles, and that's why people watch and. That's why I really like that part of this episode is that there's a lot of conflict going on that needs to be figured out. And it's, it's interesting to see how that happens. Yep. Cause life isn't always easy like that. Oh yeah. Everybody gets along and they all love each other. And it's a great, right. you know, kumbaya moments that doesn't happen. You know, there's always somebody who's got some animosity or they're jealous or they, you know, uh, feeling left out or w- all of those things combined sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And a step that is a, is a weird situation so i mean it was it was you know not i'm sure it wasn't groundbreaking at the time but it was a topic that could still be discussed yeah i mean i don't know about you but growing up and maybe in california it was a little different but growing up i didn't have a lot of friends that whose parents were divorced you know until later you know but like elementary school everybody's parents were still together for the most part you know it didn't start everyone's divorced out here in california well, nowadays, like my kids, their their friends' parents are all divorced. You know, a lot of them are. Yeah. Nowadays, it's just back then, though. I don't think it was as prob, you know, as as uh, yeah. prevalent as it is now. At least it, growing up, I didn't. Should have been divorced. There's a lot that should have been divorced. I think they stayed together yeah. because that was a thing to do. But yeah, yeah. yeah. but then the kids are like, no divorce. It's bad. You know, this is miserable. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's the wrong reason to stay together for sure. But and she says it's just it just takes him takes a little more time. That's all. I like how she's like petting his head. <laughs> so sweet. So Billy's at the door and uh, he's like, oh, great. So I always wondered how long did this how long supposedly after her getting shot is this episode? 
you know, how, cause it's like, it, it takes a long time to recoup from a gunshot wound yeah. to your chest that almost well, kills and you. And the only time she really mentions it is at the end when she's right. at the end, but when she's talking with Jamie, but she doesn't give any context to how long. Exactly. You know, she's out there. Yeah. I don't know. And, and it's yeah. like, you, like, what do you think? Like a couple well, months after? Well, that's the thing. Cause some, you could read into the fact that he says, oh no, we're still on, uh, on the, um, off the duty roster for another 48 hours. So they could just happen to be having a vacation time again, which seems odd since they would have just had one, you know, however long ago when she was shot. Or this but could be the end weekend? of it. It's just Saturday and Sunday. Right? It is. It's just, Monday? right, that he's off the duty roster. So, you, but they typically would work Saturday. They work Saturdays often, it seemed, throughout the, the series, right? Maybe he's so, being better about actually taking that time off. Like, maybe. Like um, taking weekends and stuff. Yeah. And it could be. That's what I'm saying. You could read into it that this is the tail end of her sick time, right? Or it could just be this just happens to be their weekend off, you know? Okay. Well, he so, to spend more time with the kids. So, you know, he, that's, he, he's taking whatever time he has so that he can get to know the kids. Cues, buttons that they are. <laughs> So you can play b-ball with the boys. <laughs> Do you remember playing that? You being out there and doing that or no? Um, a little bit. Uh, I think it's interesting that in the later scene, I seem to sweat a lot. Oh my gosh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> they must have sprayed you clothes. down, man. <laughs> and my hair is like completely dry. <laughs> You know, yeah, spray bottle or something. Yeah, like soaked down to my belly. Huge yes. <laughs> I'm just not playing some hoops. Don't mind me. I'm a tough guy. Well, so Billy comes in looking quite dapper in his uh, taupe suit, three-piece taupe suit, and. And his little hat, too. I didn't even realize he had a hat in his hand. So he comes in and he's telling him that they have an assignment. And he's like, no, no, we're we're not on the active duty roster for for another 48 hours. He's like, that's why I came here, Scarecrow. So he's got to have them uh, do this, handle this case um, under the eyes of anyone, you know, actually knowing what they're doing. So it's got to be uh, off the books. And he's explaining to him that the poet was uh is his daughter his um mayfield the poet has been missing and his uh, daughter is quite concerned and she's blaming the agency she feels that the agency is the one who kidnapped him and so they are trying to kind of keep from having egg on their face um they want to find out what's going on and if there's if this is just a publicity stunt on his end or if it's you know something more nefarious so they agree to do some digging and see what they can come up with. And he tells them to let uh, Laura Mayfield know that they are with the congressman's office so that she doesn't uh, throw their butts out because obviously she tells them, they tell them, uh, tell her that she's with the agency. She's going to run far, far away from them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kate looks really good. I'm um, just paused. I just happened to be paused here at 529. She looks so good right there. Yeah, she looks great. Yeah, I do like her hair. And her hair is darker, but I kind of like it. Me too. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks good. But damn, yeah, her button, her, her shirt is unbuttoned down to her navel practically. My goodness. Mm-hmm. 
Maybe. I think Lee's hair looks darker too. Maybe it's just the lighting, like for the darkness. It could be. His hair is like pretty, like it's a light brown. I'll have to look. I'm not. Let me see. I have to see his. It's like you know it could be that oh yeah it does it could be that terracotta wall you know that really dark wall that we've talked about before yeah and the lighting inside the room maybe mm-hmm. could be and man those acid wash jeans were the thing back then I know I think that's man. the first time she's worn I those think... that type that style before I have a pair I really like those isn't, isn't that isn't that coming back now it is yes, there is I've yeah, not I was never know. a true fan I mean I wore them I'm sure. I wore them a lot back then. I, I don't care for them now, looking back I at them. them. I know. She, I remember it, them. Lexi is so into the retro stuff right now. Like, yeah, all the vintage She stuff, loves that vintage, vintage stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The retro stuff. Yeah. You know, when we were kids. Gosh, from the 80s. Yes. She yeah. goes to thrift stores and gets uh, stuff yeah. that we used to wear. A pair of Jordash. And oh, my gosh. Jordash. And- no, no, and guest jeans with a little triangle. Well, like, you know, nineties. I'd say like more nineties grunge. That's what I'm more into right now. Like nineties stuff. Well, that's when we graduated from high school. Ninety. Ninety one. I just remember those jeans with like guests on the back pocket. That yes. Was the thing. That meant I mean, you were cool AF, man. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. yeah. Uh, do you have those Lexi? Do you have those guest jeans with the? They're nice. They're um they're Levi's, but. Yeah, they're yeah, as wash. And then I just have, like, you know, normal, um, like, Levi's, too, that are more vintage. But not just the wash, just one of them. Vintage. Yes. They are vintage. I don't think my era has ever been described as vintage. <laughs> it is vintage now. It is now. It's older than 20 years, then it's technically vintage. I hate to break it to you. And we're definitely <laughs> older than 20 years, Craig. <laughs> I hate to break it to you. Sorry. I hate to break it to you, but you're vintage, <laughs> sir. Yeah, I'm... I'm a good vintage. I have a pair of parachute pants. Oh my god, you do! I we were just talking about them. We love them. I loved those as a kid. Being a vintage. Those were like fifth, sixth grade, right? Those were like when we were in our fifth, sixth grade, seventh grade kind of era, I think. Uh, yes, I had the parachute pants and the zipper jacket, the Michael Jackson zipper jacket. Oh, right. In red? Did you have it in red? I think I did have it in red. You were you were uh, styling. Super comfortable. I did yeah, like those parachute do, uh, pants. We used to break dance at recess. We used to have a little break dance. Oh my god! Can you imagine? <laughs> oh my goodness! No, stop! You might break a hip. In the parachute pants. Oh, you might break a hip. Wow. What were the? We're six months apart. It's not. If I'm making fun of him, I'm making fun of me and Jen because Jen's older, a little older than me. What did you just say? I was saying, I'm not making, I'm just saying we're all older. Now he's teasing him and he's going to break a hip when he's beatboxing like that. Or, um... I, I, did, I did kind of, I did kind of pull something a little in my back. <laughs> yeah. No. yeah, you can surf. You can certainly do what you just did. Yeah, I break dance all the time. I do it at break time or at lunchtime while I'm at work. What was it? Uh, what was that? Electric Boogaloo? Was, wasn't yeah. that that movie? Yeah. Breaking through Electric Boogaloo. Oh, that's there. It is. There it is. So he says, I also want a thorough investigation. If someone starts yelling cover up, we're going to look just as bad. And then he's like, here's her address. I love he does this like, oh, where is that thing at? Uh, And he says to tell him, uh, tell her that they're from Posner's office. He doesn't want any agency exposure. And then he says, I'm sorry I interrupted your day off. And they just kind of look. He goes, I owe you both one. Lexi has a new picture up on his wall. Did you see that? 
It's not that weird. Yeah. Yeah. I, it's I a, mean, it looks like an oil rig or something. Yeah. It does look like a little bit of an abstract. Yeah. That's weird looking. I, I can't even tell what that is. It looks like there was a mountain back there. And then there, I don't know what the brown stuff is. Very strange. We, we noticed the weirdest things in the background. There's this really weird, like Buddha-esque type statue in Billy's office that we cannot make heads or tails of. Yeah. Yeah. Sometimes when people were filming a lot in one location like that or one set like that is mm-hmm. that the actors would bring in personal stuff sometimes. Really? That's kind of cool. Personal meaning. I don't, I don't know if that was true for... Yeah. Uh, well, we know Kate did the yellow flowers all the time. She always had the yellow flowers around for her mom. Yeah. But yeah, maybe maybe they just... Or it could be the crew people setting it up. Could It could be personal, something personal from their life yeah. too, maybe. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. He goes, I can't believe this. She goes, well, we'll just have to get it over with. He goes, all right. There's a guy I want to talk to who works at Justice who runs down missing persons. And she says, okay. He goes, then we'll follow up uh, with Laura. So he goes and meets uh, the guy from The Rookies, <laughs> Bruce yeah, Fairbairn. Let's, let's talk about that scene for a moment. When yeah. he's sitting in like this that diner. diner. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the guy does this whole I'm climbing onto a horse thing. When he gets yes, he did. Seat. I just saw I, it. I noticed that. <laughs> You're right, he did. <laughs> Before he even talks to is order a chocolate cream and a hamburger. <laughs> chocolate cream. I don't even know what that it's is. What is that? so weird. What's a chocolate cream? I don't know. It's a drink. I Does guess, it have like or... soda in it? Like a soda pop? Like a fizzy? I don't know. <laughs> the service is super fast. And I know. That's what I thought. I'm like, dang, I'm would like, they just oh, grab it out the back? But I was looking at stuff like that, and I'm wondering, what does this have to do with anything? This guy. It's because it was in the script. It literally said, in the script, it literally said that it was a 50s diner, that he ordered, and that they had that specific order. Like, it was all written out in the script. So that's what they did. And they, These they odd picked little the 50s. details that, it, yep. I mean, stuff like that just kind of drives me nuts. These odd. Yeah very specific detail that has nothing to do with anything and then you know the guy gets his food <laughs> yeah the conversation's over but he's just gonna chow down and eat <laughs> and then lee's look at him like god that looks just looks awful like yeah. <laughs> give him heartburn. heartburn yeah heartburn okay so i literally i now i know why i didn't recognize him his hair is so much shorter uh because chris owens on the rookies had like super curly like a, a little fro you know going there and so it's super short and you don't see much curl in there and that's why i didn't recognize him and i i'm apparently suck at that the recognizing people too so but yeah you're right he totally sits down like he's jumping on a horse <laughs> he like straddles it it's just a chair but he he acts like it's like a big old saddle <laughs> You get the sense that Lee doesn't like this guy, you know, mm-hmm. like he gives off the vibe like he doesn't trust this guy worth, you know, any farther than he, he can throw him. Great instincts. Yes, exactly. Excuse me, waiter. Chocolate egg cream. Chocolate Ugh. egg cream. Yeah, that's chocolate special. egg cream. Ew, that sounds awful. I'm going to have to look that one up and see what's in there. That sounds horrendous. 
Some trash in a blender. And then I know. I was going to say, uh, heart attack on a plate, please. <laughs> Order French fries, a double cheeseburger. And then Lee just is like, oh, that's going to give me a stomach ache. He's like, what's shaking? The guy makes a joke like, I thought the agency created missing persons. You know, I, I didn't know you actually look for them. When did you start looking for them? He goes, we got a report that Archibald Mayfield, the poet, was kidnapped. And he goes, by who? And he says, by the agency. He goes, mighty flaky, those nuke types. And then he says, a lot of them really aren't even there when they're here, if you know what I mean. He goes, well, politics and poetry aside, I've got a file to follow up on. And then he says, do you have anything? He goes, yeah, enough. The poet was peddling more than inspiration on our college campuses. The local vice guys started closing in on him and he split Canada or Alaska. And I hear the Eskimos hate bad poetry. And then the food comes like lickety split. But so the guy's trying to to, to say that this uh, poet is now a drug drug dealer on campus. Like, that's so far-fetched. Mm-hmm. Out of the blue, too. Yeah, it makes no sense at all. Um, so I googled chocolate oh. egg cream. Okay, good. It contains neither, uh, it does not contain eggs or cream. It is uh, chocolate syrup, skim milk, soda water. Okay, then, that's why I was uh, right on that part. Yeah, the syrup they give you like a specific recipe for, but it's basically like chocolate milk with soda water in it. That sounds horrible. Like, all I can think of is milk and water together. Ew. Yeah. And then chocolate syrup in there. Images of it, it looks pretty gnarly. Like, it looks not not great. Yeah, it looks super watery, Mm -hmm. which now that makes sense. I'll take take a shake any day of the week. Mm -hmm. But why call it a chocolate (laughs) egg cream? Exactly. (laughs) Honestly, some of the pictures of it make the texture look a little bit like scrambled eggs at the top. In my opinion, it looks... Maybe that's fine. It doesn't look good. Yeah, I'll order the scrambled egg drink, please. <laughs> it looks, like the top part of it looks gnarly. Let me see if I can pop this into our chat. Where's this thing at? It must be a cool, I mean, it must be a neural thing people ordered back then, right? I think oh, in the 50s, I think. So That's before our know. time. Yeah. We might be old. We're not that old. <laughs> Yeah, that's when people belly up to the bar and they go, I like a sarsaparilla. <laughs> we keep getting your uh, cheesy, uh, cheesy voice today. Yeah. Oh, fun. yeah. It's fun. I've, I've been up since four, so. Oh, my gosh. Wow. This is weird. You go that early to go surfing? Yeah. Everyone's taking me to a chocolate We are. We want to see the chocolate egg cream. Oh, yeah. Really? Oh. I don't like it. And then, like, no. the, um, there's, like, a really horrific one on Google Images. It's all, like, bubbly and fizzy, and it just doesn't look good. Yeah. Ugh. That doesn't – the the, the fixings don't sound too good. Mm. Not for me. Yeah. Anyway, that's what a chocolate ice cream is. All right. Well, we learned something new today, everybody. Yeah. We always do this, Greg. We always look something strange up in the yep. episode and talk about it. You're a nice podcast right there. That's <laughs> <laughs> Stuff. Weird, weird like things, that. strange things weird come up. Things weird things are explained. No more next hey. podcast. <laughs> God, it gives me an ulcer thinking about doing another one. <laughs> yeah, <definitely>. <laughs> the story of my life. Okay, so beautiful building that Laura supposedly lives in. And uh, Lee and Amanda come over. Amanda looks cute. It's an 80s, totally 80s look for sure. Uh, bordering on early 90s but uh with the white pants and then the the blue periwinkle sweater with the v that very sharp v uh sweater that's very 
early 90s, 80s, late 80s, early 90s look for sure. It's horrific with the birds on the nose. I the birds wait, are an interesting touch. Wait, what birds? There's birds there's on the back. Around. No, there's there not. Yes, there is. Oh my God, there's birds on the back. Oh my God, I've never noticed those. I didn't notice those. What the heck? What are those? Who's on there for? That's all I noticed about that sweater with the birds. (laughs) That sweater just makes her look really bulky up top. It's like, just really bulky. You can see every little like fuzz coming out of it too. Yeah. When it's a close up on her. That is a really, oh my gosh. I mean, those are, wow. That, yeah. Wow. Are those supposed to be partridges in a pear tree? Or I think so. Know. Partridges <laughs> in a sweater tree. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And then those shirts, that, the two shirts that Laura's got on, those were yeah. super trendy back then, too, with the, the double. They were the same shirt, just different colors. Uh-huh. You layer them on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with all the little buttons, those tiny little buttons, too. When Sandra and I were watching the episode earlier today, I said, I don't always wear two shirts, but when I do, I wear two shirts. <laughs> Lee looks really good there. Lee looks good in the in the suit, for yeah. sure. The dark mm-hmm. suit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Laura's explaining that she never took her father's paranoia seriously, but now she's getting concerned, and she seems really, you know, a, a genuine person. But she's convinced that, like her father, that the agency has kidnapped him. That they're behind all this. Obviously, they're not, because Lee and Amanda would know that. So Laura goes on to explain that she's taking a closer look at some of the research that of her father's and she's like, it's pretty scary. And she brings him over to look at it and she goes, do you know who this is? And then Amanda's like, uh, Sidney Rollins. She goes, uh, I don't know. Wasn't he retired from the agency years ago? <laughs> he goes, not retired, fired, which we all know is scooched. So he was scooched from the agency a long time ago. So he was pretty much Dr. Smith's predecessor. That's what a sense I got. Is that what you guys got too? Yes, definitely. All right. And, and Lee says he was drummed out for breaking most of the rules and bending the rest. Uh, He was the architect of the agency programs Rollins was and that harassed people like your father for years. And then she says, I think he's still at it. And then they go on to explain that they talked to uh, Donaldson at the justice department, who's very familiar with her father's case and says your dad's on the run from a drug investigation and she's like justice she goes donaldson at the interagency bureau right and then they're like oh you know him and she's like he ran a counterintelligence investigation of the anti-nuclear movement in the 70s my father never had anything to do with drugs anyone who knows him can t- could tell you i mean the guy wears a f- stupid um not a stupid he wears a freaking uh, bow tie for crying out loud that does not he does not come across as a drug dealer for sure And so she hands over the diary to Amanda and she says it's coded. Laura says it's code, nothing too hard. Her and her dad used to play with the codes uh, as a kid. So then they show them on the screen and, and there are all these people um, that there's a list of names on there and they're all people that have been outspoken against nuclear policies like her father. And then, and they're like, okay. And then she says, and they're all missing, which they didn't know. And supposedly they were all harassed by Donaldson. Dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. I was just wondering why a poet, though, needs all this, like, um, classified information. Well, I mean, I know I know he's creating poetry, you know, spoken against, you know, nuclear... Armament and all that, yeah. I'm just trying to figure out why he's in the know with all the 
Don't don't question the plot, Jim. <laughs> it's best to do that. Well, he's he's doing research. I'm sure it's not anything that I doubt he's getting anything that's not public knowledge, probably. Or if he is, I think it later. I think it either does. in the script yeah. or at the end, they actually mm-hmm. say that those those other people that have been kidnapped have all this information. They probably have very in specific information to the area that they're working on, and so he's probably gathering all of that. Is that what yeah, you got to? Yeah, he says that the information that he's getting is, he's basically just getting it early. It's like stuff that's available or will be available publicly soon. It's just he's getting it like a little bit early. That's what it said in the script. Thank you. So. I thought that after it's I was a, talking, I'm like, yeah, that's not important to the overall scheme of things. He, he has, he's causing trouble. He gets kidnapped. Yep. Yep. He's, <laughs> he's, he's raising a ruckus and they don't like it, you know? And, and cream. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think it says later something about that they want to know other people that are involved. So that makes sense if he knows mm-hmm. other people. But in terms of him having, you know, writing poetry about top secret information, I don't think that needs to. No, I think he's, you know, like in the beginning, he was talking about nuclear armament and saying like, everybody has enough we don't need any more you know so he's speaking out on it and they don't like that because it's getting people that are bringing attention to it which the government doesn't want or Rollins specifically doesn't want yeah Rollins is a nut job yes exactly in a nutshell (laughs) the nut is in the shell and he is the nut (laughs) so Laura's you know kind of like I know it sounds absurd even a little crazy but she 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 believes them and, and Amanda's saying, Hey, we're not gonna discount anything that you say. And she says, It took a while for me to convince myself and he's my own father. So she gets it too. So they, they seem to have a connection. They trust seem to trust each other, which will come in later. So now they are visiting Rollins and Lee's explaining that he's a, a zealot and as Greg so poignantly pointed out <laughs> He's crazy and he's a nut job. <laughs> he does love that car, though. Yes, he does. He does yeah. indeed. Another oddly specific detail. <laughs> they love to show old cars in this uh, in this series. That's for sure. He's telling Amanda how he could still be involved with the agency without being involved, really. But look, he's been out of it so long. How could he possibly have to, anything to do with it? She's like, he couldn't. And he goes, well, I sure as hell hope not. And then they, they go up and he just happens to be working outside and on his car. And he's like, I wish I could do something about Mayfield, the Mayfields of the world, but it's not my job anymore. What kind of car is that? Do you know, Greg? No. No, me either. I couldn't tell. That's a very specific hood ornament for sure. Like wings. But he's saying that they're fighting a war against those people. He refers to them as, Amanda says, those people are leaders in science, the arts, industry. Oh, so dangerous. Yeah. He says, they're trying to bring this great country of ours to its knees. Every day, their organization gets stronger and more dangerous. When I was head of covert action, we were winning that war. It wasn't easy and it wasn't pretty, but Lee and Amanda are saying, you know, you're hurting innocent people along the way. And he's like, there's a price on anything of value. I don't apologize for anything I did. I wish I could have done more. But then I didn't belong to the right clubs like your new boss, Dr. Smith. Nice jab. He goes, oh, what the hell? A good car is worth more than a whole town of of politicians. Sweet guy. (laughs) No question where he stands, they said. Rowland always did wear his gun on the outside of his coat. Hasn't changed. 
I like how she's in her nice little white pants with her little white tennis shoes. <laughs> yeah. Cute scene between Dottie and Amanda when she's trying to fly the practice on her flying. Because you kind of, we don't really get to hear more much about her flying. We don't hear much lately about uh, Dottie and her flying lessons. So it's kind of interesting to see that she's still doing it and uh, get to see an old computer <laughs> None of uh, of which I have not seen since uh, my uh, my high school days, for sure. <laughs> and uh, so she's trying to land her plane, and she's already crashed several times, uh, according to Dottie. <laughs> she's like watching her do it here. She's on the final approach into Meg's field. Must be in Chicago, I guess. And she's crashed into a swamp twice before and overshot the runway once. Here we go. Where are the boys? Mm. They're next door working on somebody's motorcycle. Oh, yeah? Jamie didn't finish his lunch again today. Jamie, why didn't you eat your lunch today? <laughs> I called BS. <laughs> Were you a good eater? <laughs> yeah, I'm telling you, that does not sound like me. There's food in front of me. I'm going to eat it. I'm like... I know. Teenagers. I, I don't believe it. Yeah. Yeah, I know. My, my almost 12-year-old is eating me out of house and home right now. Yeah. He has like four or five meals a day now. Well, that's how you knew something was wrong. Amanda's a good mom. She yeah. He didn't need everything. Yeah. That's the telltale sign. The kid normally eats three meals, but now. <laughs> right. She's like, gee, I wonder if he's all right. And maybe I should call Dr. Watkins for a checkup. Stomach parasite. And then Dottie, who spent, probably spends way more time with kids than Amanda does lately. She says, I have a hunch that Dr. Watkins cannot cure what he's, what's ailing him. She was always the smart one. <laughs> and she says, I think it's Lee Stetson. Uh, do you guys like Dottie's little uh, page boy haircut? A little bit. But you guys are trying to be nice. You don't care for it. <laughs> no, well, I liked her, her haircut before this. I thought it was very... Um, it's know. better than the really short one. Yes, but, I hate um, the one from season three, early season three with the short, like Amanda's yeah. season two. Season two. Yeah, short haircut. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah, this one's a little, I don't know, doesn't, it doesn't kind of fit her so much, I don't think. What do you think, Greg? (laughs) It dampens her spirit a little bit. She's just so energetic and it's just kind of like. So judgy. (laughs) No, we're just commenting. We we take into consideration this is the late 80s. She's kind of like, you know, a little 80s tribes in her hair. Little boy man look no, we take on. we always take into we we think about it like, oh, this is late eighties. What do you think about it for that time frame? You know, yeah, it's not my favorite. That's for sure. Okay. So Amanda's saying, mother, they get along really well, and she says, oh well, Philip adores him, but I don't know about Jamie. And she said, do you remember Mrs. Truesdale's youngest son? How he acted when she fell in love? She goes, yeah, he was pretty jealous, but and she's like, mm-hmm. I rest my case, and then. Then she's like, "Whoa, here we go!" She's about. She goes, "Perfect three point landing." And then Amanda's like, "Oh!" And she goes, "On top of the Sears Tower." <laughs> the graphics on that thing. Oh, I know. That's how they insane. were, though. Do you so remember those games? About this big. <laughs> yeah, all the green screen look. Uh, so that last scene that we just talked about with Dottie uh, and Amanda talking about that the neighbor boy that fell yeah. in uh, when his mom fell in love, how he acted super jealous. Uh, Dottie says, <laughs> Dottie says, uh, 
Philip adores him, but I don't know about Jamie. Remember how Mrs. Truesdale's youngest boy acted when she fell in love? After uh, Amanda nods, she says, I never thought that incident with the lawnmower was an accident. (laughs) Like, what? What was that about? (laughs) (laughs) That Truesdale kid's a little beast, man. (laughs) Little Dennis the Menace, apparently. Oh, Lexi probably doesn't know who Dennis the Menace is. Don't give me power. Oh, you do? Okay. Yeah, the comic guy, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, I didn't think that was kind of old for me, so I thought it would be old for you. I always read the comics growing up. When we used to get the newspaper, that was my thing. Love the comics. There's been some recent, like, Dennis the Menace stuff, too, hasn't there? Oh, I don't know. Not in, like, 20. (laughs) That's recent for Jen. No, no, no. There was something. Hmm. I don't know. I think it's it's funny that Lexi's old enough to remember newspapers. I loved the newspaper. I really did. I love the I comics know. on I, Sunday. I, I, just don't oh. want it. I just don't want it. I don't want to do it. But I do miss the comics. I always used to read that. Yeah. Did you ever do the little silly putty where you rub the silly putty over it and then take it off and it's the pictures on your silly putty? You know, now that you say that, I think I remember doing it, but it, um, it was fun. It wasn't very often. Yeah. The, the, like the little egg silly Yeah. Putty. The so little egg right? silly yeah. putty. Yep. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. That was fun. Now we are at Laura's place and she's going through uh, her father's uh, research. And uh, then she gets a little intrusion and uh, Donaldson sneaks up on her. Uh, oh, no, that's him. He's wearing a <laughs> Okay, but we know it's him. <laughs> she doesn't know it's him. You can tell it's him. Look at his little lips and his eyes, his beady little eyes. <laughs> And he came up to her and he straddled her just like he straddled that chair. <laughs> so she was chloroformed. And and he's ransacked her place. She's she's at least okay, physically okay uh, for now. And uh, they're, they're at her apartment and she's saying it's the agency. She's kind of hysterical about it. He goes, the, the diary is the only thing missing. There's not that many people that knew about it. And Amanda reminds her like, well, you knew about it. Your father knew about it and whoever he told. And then Congressman Posner knew about it. Whoever he told, that's quite a few people. She goes, yeah. And don't forget about Donaldson at IAB now. And he goes, now, wait a second. We don't have proof to point a finger at anybody. She goes, what do you need? Well, first of all, we've got to make sense of all this. And she goes, well, it scares me that if, that if he, they took my father and they're worried enough to break in and do this, why not take me too? Amanda says, first of all, you don't know anything. And that would set off a lot of alarms. I don't think Donaldson would take the chance. So now she's at least thinking that it's Donaldson, right? Mm-hmm. She didn't say, you know, whomever it is. She said Donaldson. Yeah. And she says, well, okay, but I'm still scared to death. And so Lee's telling her, and this is where it gets a little sketchy now. Lee says, we're going to place a guard around your house 24 hours a day and to make sure that this doesn't happen again. She's like, well, what kind of guard? And then they both look at each other kind of a little bit unsure. And, and she's like an agency guard. And she's, how can you trust them? And then they explain that they have to because they're not congressional aides. They are part of the agency. And then she's like blows a gasket she's really upset and she's saying that they used um you know they used her and then she tells the police to get, have them get out can we can we talk about barney fife in the background <laughs> and seem all that concerned that she was trying to get him out of 
No. Well, because he knows that they're agency, so it's not like they're bad people. It wasn't like the 98-pound officer, you know, the (laughs) clothes that were a couple of sizes too big was really going (laughs) to do anything about it. I mean, I think he was there just for show. Yep. And I think she was just kicking them out for show, too. You know what I mean? Like, just showing that she doesn't want him there. It was enough to get them to leave. You know, it's not like if they didn't, if they wanted to stay there, they, it's not like they couldn't have, you know, they could have, yeah. I'm sure, done something to keep themselves there. But she's mad. Amanda, of course, gives her uh, Lee's number in case uh, she, you know, needs to talk or, uh, you know, once she cools down kind of thing. Because again, earlier they had built that trust. And I think she's upset right now, but I think she kind of cools down and, and in her hour of need, which, for foreshadowing, uh, she's going to reach out to Amanda. Yeah. Do you like her in the pink and white? That really soft pink? Yeah, she always looks good in that. Yeah, color. I thought so too. And her hair's dark there too. I think it's the lighting. And like um, Laura's apartment right. is terracotta color too. I noticed I that too. I was like, wow, that must Kate be like. intentionally trying to like do something with the lighting. I, I think it's intentional. She wouldn't, she wouldn't do that. That's an interesting theory. You're right. I thought about it today when I was watching it. You know that, because this is about the time when Kate was going through all of her treatments yeah. and things like that. So we, we were thinking, oh, you know, maybe she had issues with her hair and, you know, that sort of thing. And Just not feeling her And, and you're right. Maybe they she intentionally had them go with a darker lighting to kind of. And the walls, too. And the I, walls, she's maybe. She's much of a master of lighting, too. She to is. Emotional. Interesting. That's an interesting theory. Do you think she was trying to, she was changing her hair? Because uh, isn't it kind of moving towards the Nick series that she does after this? Looking more No, because like that. that's, that's two years apart. Because that show didn't start okay. until 88. And this one ended okay. in May of 87. So that's a whole year, that's a, lot a year of plus. Yeah, I don't think so. They bid their farewell. And uh, the cops are just looking at each other like crazy woman. <laughs> mm-hmm. So now we're back at the agency. And Lee's on the phone and he's talking to Amanda um, and saying, you know, that's as deep as we can go without working for the Justice Department. She's doing some research. And then he tells her he'll see her tonight. So then Billy comes in the office looking quite unhappy. And uh, Lee explains that Amanda's drawing a blank running down those other missing people. And their families reported them gone, but they're the kind of people known for dropping out of sight and then reappearing weeks later. And uh, Billy lifts up a a file folder and he's like, I found this for your eyes only request on my desk. And Lee's looking a little peaked. And uh, he says, yeah, I want to listen in on some people. He goes, no, no, you want to tap... Uh, a United States congressman. He goes, all right, someone went after Laura Mayfield. <laughs> someone who knew about her father's diary. The congressman, congressman is on that list. He goes, you're unofficial, Scarecrow. He goes, yeah. He goes, I would have to sweat bullets to, to get an okay for that. And then Lee's like, uh, I thought that was going to be the easy one. And he's like, huh? He goes, you didn't finish reading the request? He's like, lifts up the file again and reads it and he goes the justice department <laughs> and he looks like a he's like kind of uh getting yelled at by his parents dun, dun, dun. Dun, dun, dun. so then we see this we're back in billy's office now and we see this little uh like f- frightened man <laughs> very young 
uh, feeling, it looks like he's very intimidated by uh, Lee and Billy that are like surrounding him, pacing back and forth around him. And so he's a uh, phone expert and can tap into the phones and they're trying to get him to do their, their bidding for them. Uh, he's like, let me get this straight. You want me to tap these phones? And they're like, he goes, Chip, you're the best line man the phone company has. And he goes, and you guys don't exist, right? And he's like, right. Oh, Bruce looks mighty cute right there in that scene. Do you need a moment? Sometimes I do. Sometimes I have to just like fan myself a little bit. <laughs> he's a good looking guy. Come on. Your mom even recognized that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm sure on multiple times. Your mom's probably sat there going, I am the luckiest woman alive that my son got on this particular series with this fine looking man. <laughs> She never missed a moment to remind my dad. (laughs) (laughs) So this chip guy is saying, uh, you know, say I crossed a few wires purely by accident. Would there be, oh, a a bass boat, a seven and a half horsepower motor and a nice new trailer in my driveway next week? (laughs) And then Lee's like, Billy, I think we have a man with experience here. He goes, okay, now the Justice Department is going to be the toughest. I would imagine so. They wrote the wiretap laws, you know. And Billy's like, I didn't hear that. He goes, their lines are constantly monitored for voltage drops, induction drags, and a few goodies I can't talk about. He goes, Chip, what can you get us? And gets down on his knee there. And he's like, how about a phone log? You know, like your phone bill shows you the numbers you called. I could get you that for, say, a sonar fish finder. He goes, don't push your luck, Chip. So he's like, this is going to take a couple of days. And then Lee gives him a very intimidating look. And he goes, tomorrow? (laughs) Laura's keeping an eye on Rollins. She's watching for him. So she's going after him herself with his Studebaker. I don't even know what that is. It's a a Packard. Oh, is it a Packard? Okay. That I was actually reading merged with Studebaker. Packard bought Studebaker. Okay. In in. Yeah, this is all from your neck of the woods there in Detroit. Yeah, I so, guess so. Kind of cool. With the swine ornament, apparently it was a big deal back then. Yeah. Hmm. So now we're at Hospice America, and you guys, I'm sure, recognize this building. Definitely. Yeah? Yes. Do you remember what it's from? Oh, come on. <laughs> let, me, let me be happy recognizing <laughs> That you recognized it? Okay, I'll give you the props. So this was actually used as the... Uh, Cumberland, the second Cumberland. So yeah. this is when in the triumvirate, right? I have a picture I can send you guys after we're done recording uh, of this, what it looks like now. This is like the ultimate wedding venue. It is absolutely stunning in there. Da- oh, uh, I bet. Greg, David and I uh, went there and had a drink and had some peanuts and stuff and sat in the lobby and, and uh, just kind of checked it out <laughs> to, you know, to, to look around and stuff. That's not like a party. Yeah. yeah, you know how David is. He gets us into the 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 craziest places and talks his way in and stuff. And uh, so we went snooping around. But uh, it's it's there was a wedding there when we were actually there, and it is a stunning venue. It's huge too, but it's really pretty. This is now Rollins in there with the first goon that we saw in the very beginning of the episode. And Rollins has Mayfield on a gurney strapped down and he's grilling him for information. He's asking him, who gave you these figures? And and Mayfield is not going to budge. He's like, you can do what you want with me, but I won't betray my friends. And uh, Rollins is not happy with that. He's like, you disappoint me, Mr. Mayfield. I thought you were ready to cooperate. I mean, at that age, you know, this guy's older. 
I'd be like, do what you want with me, man. Like, I'm not gonna, you know what I mean? Like, not that he's decrepit. I'm just saying, like, he's got a grown daughter and everything. But, you know, I wouldn't just. And he believes in his cause. And and that's what I mean. He believes in it. It's not worth, like, you know, you don't have your family that you're worried about, you know, leaving behind and stuff. His daughter's grown. And not that I'd want to go, but I'm just saying I would be a little more, like, resistant just for that reason. Yeah, I mean, I'm surprised that they don't, like, bring his daughter into it, like, yeah. using her more for leverage, because like you said, he's he's older, he's gotten his message out, he'd be happy to be a martyr for his, maybe not happy, but he'd be a martyr for his cause. Yep, right. I think they would, like, press the daughter. Well, that's what I, they, that's kind know. of what they do at the end. Yeah, I think he's just intimidated by a guy who taps a, a pipe against his cheek. <laughs> against I mean, his that's, cheek, that's yeah, he's thinking. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Rollins is pissed. He's like, get him out of here. Can we talk about the office too? Treating patients in the lobby? The lobby that they're in, you mean? Are they in a lobby because there's a desk? Oh, is there a desk? Oh, it looks like a lobby to me. The back of the chair faces like this really long, weird hole. Oh, wow. That's what I was wondering. I was like, are they like treating patients out in the lobby? Well, this is the private section, they said. Remember, they have 50 beds in this area, but the rest of the place is a lot bigger. Who places their desk with the back toward the, the room? It's the weirdest thing. It is very weird. The orderlies come up, and they're in two different colors of white. One, The top half is like this cream color, and the bottom's like bright white. It looks really weird. So they're not so orderly. They're, I was just going to say, it's not very orderly. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. That desk is weird how it's, I guess it is an yeah. office, but it's a odd, like very, like a hall, long hallway office. Yeah. Okay, great. It's office. That's so weird. Mm-hmm. So guess who else is at the Hospice America? Laura Mayfield. And she's asking a lot of questions. And so now Hobart is the goon. He calls down and he hears that. Uh, Laura Mayfield is snooping around. And so he brings that to Rollins' attention. And Laura's trying to, you know, look around and she's like, we can't have unauthorized people walking around. And she's kind of like frustrated, wondering. But she's got, now at least she she must have obviously followed Rollins to the place. And they're saying uh, that Donaldson's bad judgment has kind of led him astray. We should have never, he should have never taken that diary. He has bad drinks, he has bad judgment. Yeah, he straddles uh, tri- chairs in an awkward way. Doesn't know how to sit down. <laughs> it's a hot mess. So Rollins is saying, you can't touch her here. Get a hold of Donaldson. Tell him to correct his mistake and take her out of the action. Wow. She's snooping a little too close, I guess. Now, Laura's coming back to her place and she sees that Donaldson is just walking out and she takes off, but he follows her. And then she pulls over and gets on a payphone and calls uh, Lee and Amanda at Lee's apartment. Amanda answers and, and gets that. But in the meantime, the the fellas are all out playing basketball. And uh, actually, speaking of uh, David, Greg, David got us to this location, too. Uh, did you guys we, pull it up? No, we did not. <laughs> we did not. He would have... David would have been able to dunk on me just from sheer height, but I don't think he's got the uh, 
the hand-eye yeah, coordination. Yeah, and could be used in the same Yeah, that's what I was saying. I don't know if he has the hand-eye coordination, but uh, but yeah, we we actually went here. So this, they actually at the same location, they filmed. Remember, sex, a little sex, a little scandal, you guys, uh, where yeah. Rita is, oh, yeah. and they have yeah. the contest where uh, they're having the Mother of the Year contest, and they throw, she throws those smoke bombs in the in the little gym auditorium area yeah. that that was filmed on this uh at this place too and of oh, course cool. david got us in to see this as well <laughs> they let us walk in there in the little gymnasium or whatever you want to call it it was funny wow. anyways do you 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 do do you remember playing basketball with bruce like this yeah a little bit a little bit yeah. um, i mean i don't remember a lot of it but yeah, yeah i remember being on location yeah that's what i would think it this is different than the uh, you know being on set and everything that it would probably stick out in your mind a little bit more yeah I mean, we were probably shooting hoops for money in between shots. <laughs> Playing pig or whatever, horse. Yeah. I had some magical skills, though, let me tell you. <laughs> That's why I sweat so much. Yeah, you obviously were sweating a lot. <laughs> Philip, man, Philip looks really tall there, too. Yeah. He, he's, he grew, like, there was, like, a... Between third and fourth season, he, like, really sprouted up. Yeah, I like his cut-off sleeves there, too. Yeah. <laughs> You're you're holding your own on the basketball there. Yeah. <laughs> Philip does not uh, seem super pleased because you tried to make a pass and it hit uh, Lee in the arm, and he's like, "Nice!" Like a brother, <laughs> total brother thing would do. Jamie, boy, boy, nice. Sorry, I'm not Larry Bird. I noticed. Hey, 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 come on. That's a good try. What do you want? It was a bad pass, and this is a stupid game. So you're going to quit? Hey, Chief, why don't you go get the ball, huh? Go on. So, are you all right? Yeah, I'm fine. What are you so uptight with your brother for? I'm not uptight. I just hate doing everything he wants to do. Well, I thought you two wanted to shoot some hoops or something. Well, I know you did. Well, we don't have to play, you know. Well, it's a little late for that now, isn't it? Uh, in the script, it's a little bit different. Your actions seem a little bit more intentional so philip returns with the ball and tosses it to lee and philip says okay you're outs to jamie try to play a little defense and lee says you ready and jamie says go and then lee starts dribbling the ball in jamie slaps the ball hitting lee's hand an obvious foul and philip says why don't you just knock him down and lee and jamie exchange a long look lee knows jamie's struck on purpose for reasons much deeper than he can understand he can only respond with a look after a beat jamie takes off after the ball wow that's deep man mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah i didn't knock him down because the tree <laughs> <laughs> i didn't knock him down because i can't you can't well i think he's saying like you were getting a little too aggressive like why don't you mo- knock him down why don't you kind of thing yeah yeah i weighed like seven pounds and i was like <laughs> <laughs> I fall, but sure. You're yeah, really aggress- aggressive. Passive aggressive. Your hair's yeah. kind of long there too, with your big glasses, man. They're like super square, aren't they? Like those things were wearing me. Yeah, I think they Baby, were. Babies were not. They're not kind. Oh, they were no, not. The tortoiseshell glasses. Yes. Were, yes. Yeah, were, yeah. Yeah. Hey, they're all. You guys are all sweaty. You're. Not as sweaty as uh, as Lee is there. But Outside. This, this is a. Yeah. I didn't sweat until the car ride home. No, yeah, the car ride. You were. You must have like poured a bottle of water on you yourself there. Yeah, 
This is a kind of a sweet moment, though, uh, between uh, you two. Philip went off to get the ball and and uh, just sitting there and he's like, what are you so uptight with your brother for? And you're like, I'm not uptight. I just hate doing what he wants to do. He goes, I thought you two wanted to shoot hoops. He goes, well, I know you did. He goes, well, we don't have to play, you know. And then I, what, did I, is that when I gave an elbow? Yeah. You're like, it's a little late for that now, isn't it? <laughs> Oh. Your glasses look red, almost like a Sally Jesse Raphael kind of look. Yeah, and that was one of the nicknames I had. <laughs> no, you didn't. Ah. No, you didn't. Really? No, actually, you know, the funny thing about that is, no, Sally Jesse Raphael was not one of the names I had in school, but uh, Fitz Coleman is a weatherman here in Los Angeles, and he had those glasses, and so I was Fritz the weatherman. Oh, no. It was one of many nicknames that I had when I was in school. Yeah. that's so kids are mean. so mean aren't they yeah so mean mm. were there just no stylish glasses back then i'm sure there were <laughs> like the ones uh, you have on are very stylish i didn't have yeah these are reading glasses yeah so I I, when i'm uh i can't i mean i can see but no they're reading glasses so yeah i, mean, I have regular glasses this not even part of no, those are nice though. They look nice. I look like this all the time. Wow! Please, you got to put that away. It's too much. <laughs> oh goodness! Wow! If I really do, the more I really do like the longer hair. Kind of just Jeff Bridges look a little. Oh yeah, a little bit. So you're calling me the dude? No, you're Senor Jamie Ray. Senior yes. Jaime Ray. Oh, Jaime. Yeah, sorry, Jaime. Yes. You were called Jaime in one of the episodes. Um, C. Yes, Our Man Integrancy, just in case you want to watch it. All right, yeah. So now, uh, right outside Robinson's Sporting Goods, not, what was the other place? We had it on our shirts. What was it called? The place that's in California. Jemco. 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 Full circle. Full circle, yes, folks. Full circle. So she's outside Robinson's sporting goods and she's on the phone with Amanda and saying uh, that she needs some help. And so Amanda very smartly leaves a message uh, with message relay for Lee and then writes a note for him to check his messages as soon as he comes in. It is. Yeah. It was pretty smart because the boys won't won't know what it is, but he will immediately see it. Donaldson is hot on Laura's tail. That happens. He's like way far back when she's on the phone, and then she gets off the phone, hops in the car, makes the U-turn, finds a parking spot, which is. And then he shows up. Yeah, <laughs> he's there. Right, and of course there's a parking spot, which there never would be in real life. Right. It was smart of Amanda to tell her to go where the people are because he, he can't do much with people there. Mm-hmm. Um, he obviously later gets cornered and does so anyways, but. Apparently that doesn't deter him very much. Yeah. All right. So the fellas, the sweaty fellas just came in and it looks like they went through a rainstorm or something because they are all wet. Summer squall. Yeah, summer, yes. <laughs> and then Lee notices the Delta Blue check your messages uh, note. Oh my God, Jamie looks, <laughs> he looks worn, you look worn out there, fella. Yeah. You look I've been worn out. So hard, the basketball. <laughs> it's really the emotional toll that's showing in your It eyes. is, it <laughs> is. You look so sad. I feel bad. 
Yeah, and what better way to end uh, a, a rough afternoon of playing basketball than inspecting the spine of a book when you sit down? <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But, you know, Lee's looks uh, very, very sweaty. It goes almost to his belly button. <laughs> He's so sweaty under his arms. So Donaldson uh, makes his way into Robinson's and and tags her. You know, he sees her and uh, is heading toward her. So she goes around where the people are. And then she tries to kind of maneuver around to get away from him. And then finally Amanda comes in and uh, sees that she's there. Lee tells the boys that uh, a friend of his is having car trouble. Now in the, in the script, it actually says that uh, a friend of their mom's is having car trouble and uh, needs his help. So then he takes off. So he tells them just to, to uh, hold down the fort. Or I'm sorry, Philip says, I can hold down the fort like Mr. Macho Man, like he's in charge kind of thing, you know? Poor Jamie. <laughs> Leave me alone with my book. <laughs> In my sweatiness. <laughs> I'm angsty. Quite. You know what I like about this little scene is that Amanda's driving the Corvette. Uh, yes, I love that. Obviously, she has to think about now who has the boys. Mm-hmm. You have, have to drive the car appropriate for the time. Like, she can't take the waiting here because Lee's home with the boys. And right. And they need car. Yep. It's domestic. Yeah. Well, I, I noted that, and I was thinking, wouldn't Lee be in the Wagoneer with the boys? Yeah, it was out in front by the basketball court. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, true. It's gone, so I guess. Yeah. There's no so, choice. But, yeah. yeah. It's like, I can hail a cab. Yeah. Or, yeah. I can drive the vet. <laughs> or I can drive the cool vet. They just, like, interchangeable cars, just like a real family. Yeah, yeah. yeah. No, yeah, based on what is going on for the day. Yeah, that's what we have to do, too, sometimes. They're a couple now, Jen. I know. It's Aww, cute. they're a family, almost. What's hers is hers, and what his it's is hers. hers. <laughs> <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> so Lee actually takes in the scene. Again, he's noticing things now. He's picking up on things. I think this is a, a nice little note there that he sees that Jamie seems a little off a bit and uh he goes hey jamie is everything okay oh you look so cute there he goes yeah sure he goes you're yeah. sure yes yes sure he's like yeah okay yeah sure <laughs> you look so cute there you don't look as sweaty there either by the way <laughs> that was method acting by the way i'm sure it was i was very method you were then. you were brilliant no you know i told you your 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 uh brilliance is coming up I I actually really like this scene though because it really sold me like you you like you could just see the angst like you know something's bothering him but then I also like seeing that Lee knew like he that's knew what I said he yeah had, he had to do his job but he knew and you I mean it's because you sold it you really sold it so great job but wherever you got your inspiration from it, it sold me <laughs> I was hungry I missed a meal <laughs> yeah. he didn't eat lunch that day. I also like the little look that Lee gives as he he looks back and he goes out the door with his yeah he he kind of looks at it like really like loving like oh they're okay kind of look and then Mm -hmm. it's really sweet I I thought so too he said wow Greg can act (laughs) who knew (laughs) (laughs) no you had the opportunity to this is like one of the yeah you don't yeah you didn't get a whole lot of opportunities material I I could really act (laughs) (laughs) you channeled it perfectly. So 
Donaldson, finally, he's he sees that Amanda's there now because Laura acknowledged that she was there. He saw that. He then feels like he's pushed into a corner and he's got to act. So he covers her mouth with, again, chloroform and knocks her out. And the people are looking around and he's like, oh, my wife is having a seizure, even though she's not having a seizure, clearly. <laughs> she's only passed out. Uh, and they're all kind of looking around. And then Amanda's coming around the other side and uh, gets a hold of one of those um, automatic tennis ball shooter thingies, whatever you call that thing. Right, right in the like in the like in your kidneys, the back of your kidneys there. I think it was a little lower than that. Was it? it was oh, okay, high. I thought it was. I haven't seen it yet. So Lee's trying to talk to him and get him to calm down, and and then he pulls out his gun and starts shooting. Oh, you're right. It does kind of hit him in the butt. And then it then it hits him multiple places after that. <laughs> so she uh, takes him out, and then he kills. Uh, he shoots him and kills him. And then they help up. Uh, they call in one shot Stetson. <laughs> yeah, right. And then you hear somebody say to go call the paramedics. So now we're back at the agency. Billy's taking a little bit of guff for the uh, wiretap issue, the the phone whole phone log issue. And he's like, uh, well, I didn't think you'd want the entire agency getting the idea that we believed her kidnapping story. And oh, I guess it's not really, it's not about the, probably the, the, t- the wiretapping stuff. It's more about, I'm sorry, I'm distracted. I want one of those hats so bad. The guard that's <laughs> sitting there, he's got the little emblem. Oh my God, that would be so cool to have the little... Uh, embroidered emblem of the agency on a hat that'd be cool uh sorry one thing that would be like i feel like your ultimate fantasy would be like if you got 60 seconds to go into like the smk warehouse oh my god i would just be like like, i would just that would be i totally would (laughs) i totally would oh yeah i'd I'd get one of those signs i'm telling you i'd strap it to my back if i had to lex (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah no, that'd be really cool. I mean, just imagine walking into the SM cave or even in your office and it's just right there. Yeah, that would be off. so cool. Very cool. That would be really cool. SMK warehouse. Oh. It's a fictional thing. It's a fictional thing. I'm just... Yeah. Like, as if they kept, you know, anything from it them. It sounds better than knowing it probably ended up in a dump or... Oh, like, don't you know, or, Right. So that's what I'm saying. It's the SMK warehouse that does Oh, that would be so sad. There's a building somewhere in Toluca Lake that's got, you know, it's a lock and key in it. I will find it and I will break in and I will take it all. We're going to have to, like, it. Yep, I totally would. Oh, my God. I'd love that. So... All, I have a I have a storage area in my basement that's all SMK stuff, and uh, they my sons ca- have called it the SM Cave, <laughs> SM Cave. So yeah, yeah, and so all yeah, of that stuff. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Billy's taking some heat because, uh, you know, he's kind of done this uh, incognito, having Lee and Amanda uh, check, the, you know, check out Laura's story and, and such. And uh, so he's getting a little heat from that. Lee's saying, let me go cool off, Smith. You know, you don't deserve to take the heat for that. And he's, he's like, agreed, but I don't know who does. And I need you to find that out. We can't ask Donaldson any questions anymore. He goes, I didn't have a choice. It's all very clear in my report. Nobody's questioning that, he says. There there are bigger things to deal with. Like, why did he try to... Okay. Okay, Lex. You have to look at 2715. Is that a cat? Literally, I just took a picture of it. It's a little taxi cab. It's a little taxi cab. I know. I 
Okay, Julia, I got off so I can take a picture of her. I'm going to try and track it down for you. Who's the driving the cab over? My website, Greg, is Call Me a Cab. You know, because in one of the episodes, right. she said that. Uh, and, oh, my God, it's just sitting there. I never noticed that before in all the million times I've watched this. That's so funny. Is it stuffed? Yeah, it looks like it's stuffed, doesn't it? Oh, that's so funny. Uh, so they're trying to figure out why Donaldson grabbed Laura Mayfield in the first place. They can't figure it out. And then Francine, we finally get to see Francine. We haven't seen her in like, the whole episode, have we? I don't think so. No. Yeah, this is the first time. So she's saying they identified the drug that Donaldson used on uh, Laura. And it's TU-76, which is an old agency drug. And they are like, I didn't know it was toxic. And she goes, well, that's why we took it out of service. But once it ages, it decomposes into a lethal compound. So he sends Francine over to the hospital to talk with Laura as soon as she wakes up. She told Amanda that she was concerned about her father and that she suspected Sid Rollins. And that triggered an investigator from justice to flip out and get himself killed. He goes, yeah. And then they, they got found Mayfield's diary at Donaldson's apartment. So now... They know that something funky was going on there. One thing I forgot to mention in the script, when uh, he Donaldson was saying that my wife's having a seizure, Amanda yells out, that's not your wife. <laughs> and then says, Laura, are you all right? <laughs> People are probably like, what the hell is going on here in this thing? He goes, Amanda will, and I will get on that right away. At least we guessed right when we tap Donaldson's phone at Justice. And he goes, disable that thing before somebody finds out they're, scre- and they're screaming their heads off because we killed one of their guys. God forbid they found out we tapped their phones. And he's like, amen to that. So now Lee and Amanda are up in the Q-Bureau and they're on uh, the computer doing some digging. They're on the phone log. They pull up the numbers that were used and they find out that the first one is Donaldson's home number. And the second one is an 892 exchange. And Amanda's chewing gum right there. Do you see that? Yeah. That yeah. was kind of weird. That's out of character for her to do on, on screen like that. Uh, and then they find out it's Rodney Hobart. Uh, and Hobart is supposedly an orderly, if I'm not mistaken, at hospice. He's an employee at hospice. Oh, no, they call it Briarwood. And it's a mental hospital. Rollins leased in his, uh, on his own back in the day when he was still with the agency. And that's what cost him his job. He was doing uh, some nefarious things there. Lee says it took Smith years to, f- to, to get it all cleared up. So Amanda types in a few more things. And closed in 74 when he left the agency and reopened a division of Hospice America. She says, what is that? And it's a healthcare conglomerate. So why did they call it Briarwood again? The mental hospital thing? Why did they call it Briarwood when they called the agency's retirement home Briarwood? That seems kind of lazy, doesn't it? Yeah, of all the names mm-hmm. they could affect. Yeah, I mean, you could have called it anything. And why is it showing up as Briarwood on the phone taps as they closed it down? It should be yeah. something else. Yeah. Uh, so Hospice America is a healthcare conglomerate. And he goes, Amanda, this is not so simple. So then they go and talk to a guy about this Hospice America. And... Uh, They're trying to gather as much detail as they can. And the guy's in a rush and he tells them essentially what they get from him is that uh, they lease out uh, 50 beds to Rollins because he says there's 250 beds at that place, which there is more than 250 beds if that's a hospital place because that place is enormous. He says they rent it out to a private clinic 
and they're obligated to protect their information. But it's just got two nursing stations and 50 beds. Her suit's super boxy, isn't it? Yeah. With the big shoulder pads and the very, very square shape to it. Shoulder pads were the thing. They really were. They shouldn't have been, but they really were. Oh, he's tapping his, his he's tapping his, uh, the, pipe. the pipe again, Greg. Hey, he's uh, up to no good. That's how you know he's serious. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he's telling Hobart to set up an explosion because they have to get rid of all the evidence there. Um, but he's nice enough that he doesn't want the whole thing to uh, blow up and hurt anybody else. <laughs> so they explain, Hobart explains that there's a six foot uh, like cinder block wall there so it'll protect them uh, from spreading into the other hospital now we're back at the agency and francine and lee are working on uh, kind of trying to figure out some information have you guys ever seen these whiteboards jen have you where you actually put the information in and then it prints out from the board whatever you write on the board it prints out a copy of it i actually have one yeah we used to have one at my old job too yeah, yeah. Work. Yeah. Mm, yeah, it was kind of a trendy thing back in the two, early 2000s, I think. Nobody uses it. Nobody uses it now, yep. <laughs> Francine looks really pretty there. Her hair looks with the little black bow. I think it looks kind of cute. Yeah. And I was trying to figure out what her little uh, pen was on there. Yeah, mm-hmm. on her lapel there. Or it's not even on her lapel. They were really into those brooches, weren't they? They're flashy, yeah. It's kind of like a captain thing. Yeah. But on here, she's acting like she got information, like it did a search for them and gave them information instead of just printing out what was on the board. So some right. That's what it was supposed to be showing that it was printing. Yeah. It, yeah, and that's what it did. It like spit out some paper right there. Mm, okay. Yeah. Uh, so she says some right wing crazies have been funding standard research, which means extra fifty beds for Briarwood. So they're they're essentially saying Rollins is in there. They just can't figure out where he ties into this at all. And uh, but he's definitely in there. And he's like, I think it's time we check out Briarwood. And then she's saying, how much backup do we need? And he goes, just Amanda, we go charging in there. Someone's liable to get angry. And we want to we want then want to see a search warrant. And she's like, yeah. And Smith wouldn't be like likely to uh, approve that. So now we get the sweet little spot of uh, Greg's awesome acting <laughs> so probably, you really should have people's choice award, award or something <laughs> you and philip are on the back porch there and you're working on your skateboards did you ever do skateboarding still you still do didn't you break, didn't you break your yeah you did you broke your wrist in you doing that i did yeah I that's was, right now i remember that yeah when i was a kid but i still skateboard do I you I'm young and hip. Despite what Lexi says, I'm not going to break a hip. I am hip. You are hip. Well, yeah, you're a surfer. You're a surfer. You're a surfer. You're a skateboarder. Lexi's defending her honor. <laughs> Listen, I will be your age soon enough, and I will be a very youthful, you know, yeah, you will. 40-ish year old as well. So She's being very nice. 40-ish. 40-ish. That's all anyone needs to know. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's true. I just don't want to be the fifty-ish. I don't want to get there yet. <laughs> um, I I, it's not like I'm trying to rush things, but um, yeah, I I do want to be fifty. Because do you? The alternative is. Yeah, that's true. You're right. The alternative is death, and that's probably not a good solution. 
I just don't want to be there too soon. Okay, I'm still yeah. enjoying 48 nice. right now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. All right. Yeah. So Philip and Jamie are, are working on their skateboards and uh, Philip's uh, really upset with you. <laughs> he's like, he's an all right guy. He just wants you to give him a break. He goes like, would you just loosen up? And, and you say to him uh, that uh, you don't like him and you're never going to like him. And then Amanda comes out and uh, she's sensing the tension between you fellas. Uh, your dinner's in the oven and I'll probably be in the editing room all night. What's going on out here? Nothing. Junior here is just jealous of Lee. I'm going outside to practice. Jamie. Let's talk. You're jealous of Lee. Hey, look. You don't have any reason to be jealous of Lee, okay? Yeah. Well, when I was out in California, it was knowing that you and Philip loved me that helped me get through that. You know that. Now, come on. I love you just as much as I love Philip or your grandmother or Lee. Sure, whenever you're around. Oh, sweetheart, I know, I know. Oh, gosh. You know, one day, you're going to grow up and you're going to fall in love. Does that mean you're going to stop loving me? No. No? No. Oh, well, then you understand. Yeah. You understand that just because you love somebody new doesn't mean you stop loving the people you already love, does it? So that means I still love you. Yeah. And you know that. So you feel better. Yeah. I love you. Come here. I really love you. I love you, too. All right, everything's okay. Yes. All right, go out there and teach your brother a lesson. Go ahead. Go get him. This is where I think you do your best acting. I, I seriously believe that. Like, this is such, this is how my child would react in this. So I can totally, It's. it seems very, very natural. And it's, a pretty, it's, it's a pretty sincere moment between me and Kate, yeah. actually. It, it, you can really feel like, that. Yeah, that's, that was kind of our relationship. So Aww, that's very sweet. Warms my heart. I she like holds onto your hands and you're just kind of looking at her. It just it just is very genuine and it and yeah. it comes across for sure. And you don't even really you don't even say much in here in this moment. Yeah. You don't even say anything. It's your it's how you how your mannerisms how you react your your shrug you know you're just like you know like i don't want to admit that but yeah you know that's kind of how i feel and she's telling you hey look you don't have any reason to be jealous and then kisses your hand it's so sweet and you're yeah, like she, yeah probably said shh honey let the professional do the talking no <laughs> stand there it's sweet though. She tells you that when when she was out in California, it was knowing that you and. Now, Taya will think it's the best acting you've ever done. You won't say a word. Taya will think it's the best acting. No, you've ever it's. Done. <laughs> You're such a brat. No, it just it really is. It's it. You come across very genuine. You know, you're just very sullen and. And, uh, like you're afraid, it's almost like you're afraid to say anything. Cause you know, you'll kind of break out, uh, break down, you know? Yeah. yeah. I'd like to think. <laughs> you get the MKC award for best acting in the script though. Did you, um, Lexi, did you notice that they don't get as deep? They don't resolve it really with, mm -hmm. yeah. With, uh, you 
with Jamie, they don't really resolve it. You're just, you're kind of like rushing through and, and not acknowledging what she's saying, really, in the script. Yeah, I think that's why I think it's good acting because the script doesn't give you much to work with. No, at not all. at all. Like, there's no, there's very little direction. You don't, you still don't really have a lot of lines, but a lot of it was you. And I think that's what makes it really good acting. And you really didn't say a lot, but it, but you did it. You said a lot without saying anything. And that was probably all worked out on set. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of times where we got scripts that were incomplete or, you know, not, they were completed, but not completed thoughts. Does that make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. It was just kind of here to interact with you two people, kind of work it out. Yeah. So, kind of ad lib a little bit of it. Well, it it came across really, really well. I think that's probably the truest, the truest mother son interaction you guys had throughout the whole series, personally. Yeah. I, I agree. And I think it was a genuine family moment. Mm hmm. Yep. Were, there were a lot of quote unquote family moments, but I think there were, there were a few that were as genuine or kind of could give you an idea of what what it would be like if you learned more about the thing Yeah, I think so too. Well, they run off, he runs off and then Lee actually comes in and he's like, oh, very nice. You know, uh, he recognized the, the approach that Dr. Dutton used, that same approach in chapter nine. And uh, until right now, I didn't quite understand it. <laughs> and then she gives him a kiss. He goes, just forget the books. And talk straight from the heart, huh? And she says, yeah. And he goes, I hate to do this, but back to business. Uh, and we have to go take a look at, look, see at Briarwood. She goes, I know I'm all set to go. Help me lock up. So then they head out. So Lee and Amanda uh, get over to Hospice America and they make their way in. Uh, they have uh, some uh, blueprints to get them into the building. So he's like, uh, gets to the steel door and says, hey, they got a pen. And she hands him one. And he goes, oh, standard agency uh, issue. And then pulls it out. And there's acid ink in there. This is one of the few times they actually use like little uh, contraptions, like, you know, little spy gadgets gadgets like this, you know. They just have an office full of acid pens, you know. Yeah. Very dangerous. I mean, that's dangerous with your pocket, (laughs) you know. Yeah. I mean, you're chewing on your pen a little too hard. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know how that comes on your hand sometimes. Yes. Yeah. yeah. I love the look she gives when he hands it back to her. She's like, like, what? <laughs> she had no idea that was in there. So they, they get in there and they actually get to talk to Mayfield. But unfortunately, they get caught. And so then they're captured and uh, they're put in a, a room where they can talk back and forth uh, with Mayfield. So they get a little bit more information uh, from him and, and who's, who else is there. They're recognizing some of these people that have been captured. And they've, they've triggered a, a sensor, unfortunately. Yeah, so now they finally get to Mayfield's room. And, and they explain that they're from the agency. And he's like, we're here to get you out. <laughs> and then Rollins and Hobart come up and they're like, and we're here to see that you don't. Oops. That trigger uh, happened pretty quick for those uh, those guys to get there that fast. Yeah, they're ready. So Hobart's explaining that he set up uh, some explosives um, in the boiler room and that uh, it's going to take down the whole place. And this is where they talk about, you know, protecting the other building so that the rest of the hospital doesn't go down. And they don't want to find any trace of the explosives. And he said they, there won't be. It's just supposed to be a Kickstarter for the explosion in the boiler. It'll rip the place to pieces. 
Mayfield says, what did they get you two for? Buying a foreign car <laughs> or supporting the metric system? And then she says, we're federal agents, sir. He goes, shouldn't you be on the outside helping Rollins cleanse the country of those of us who stray from what he considers a patriotic norm? And he goes, listen, pal. Hey, there's your pal moment. <laughs> listen, hey, pal. Listen, pal. Pal. <laughs> you have to take the picture, pal. <laughs> and Amanda says, Mr. Mayfield, the agency doesn't have anything to do with this. So she's trying to calm things down because Lee's kind of escalating at this point. And uh, she, he said, then why is Rollins running this show? He goes, he has his own agenda, which has nothing to do with us. And then she asked what's going on. And he said, for the past six months, Rollins has been grabbing those of us opposing nuclear weapons. Bring us here for interrogation. And then he's like, what do you, what does he want? Names of others who share our views and those in the Department of Defense who have been providing us with research. And she says, classified research. She goes, hell no. The same stuff you can read in the congressional record. He just gets it for us quicker. And he goes, how'd you find out about this? And she says, your daughter, Laura. And then they go on to explain that Laura was hurt, but she's gonna be okay um, that she's in the hospital so he seems a little bit relieved of that now the orderlies come to take lee away because they want to interrogate him and amanda very smartly and obviously it's quite fortuitous but there's a scotch tape on the end of the gurney and she notices that and picks it up and then while they're getting him on the gurney she puts the tape over the latch on the door so that it won't lock when they shut it so then when they leave, she'll be able to get in there and uh, let the others go. Pretty smart. Very secret agent of her. Yes. I like uh, Lee's smart aleckness. <laughs> like, oh, I'll just walk. And they're like, no. And she says, where are you taking them? And they're like, got a couple of questions for him. And then he tells her, I'll be fine. Yeah, I'd be freaking out if that was my husband going off to God knows what. So she waits to see if the door will, if it worked, which it does. And then she tells Mayfield to pretend like he's uh, sick and needs some help because she's going to knock that club, that guy right in the head with the door. (laughs) She's done this once before with the car door or twice before, actually. Yeah. And we get to see a little blood, too. Yeah, Yeah, we do. Go, Amanda. (laughs) She probably broke his nose. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, yeah, there it is. A little blood. So she, <laughs> I love it. She she takes his uh, keys and his weapon and uh, and grabs the keys and, and pulls them into her room, takes the tape off and locks that up. And then she lets uh, the prisoners, other prisoners go. So now Leah's getting, uh, getting to talk with Rollins now. And he's like, don't want you to fall off the trolley and hurt yourself. <laughs> and then he says, I uh, want to know uh, other names of of people that know in the agency about this operation. You should be supporting your fellow agents, not jeopardizing them. You make me sick. You're no different than the KGB. Take these keys and let the other people out, all right? I've got to go find my partner. And then she gets caught as soon as she comes down the stairs. Damn it. I know she did all that work. I know. And then she gets caught. (laughs) That guy's got some big arms and big tattoos too. Mm -hmm. He's like, you better come with me. He her pretty hard yeah too. they i think she tells them to because god i would be like i'm just sorry i have to grab your arm and she probably is like just <laughs> rip it let's go rollins is interrogating lee and he's like i'm not really interested in your personal opinions he goes you've gone way over the edge you know that <laughs> give it up and then he says take him back to his cell make sure he dies along with the others and then amanda comes up i found her in the hall <laughs> this is really cool they all come together and He's got, Hobart's got a gun and he's like, go ahead and shoot. 
And he's like, mm-mm. He's, not, he's got to figure out which, which six of us he's going to use that on. And then Rollins shoves him away and says, you know, he runs off with the gun. But then Hobart says they got to get out of there because there's an ex- uh, explosive uh, on the boiler. And Rollins runs down there. I don't know what Rollins is running down there for. Is is he going to die? Is he planning to die with it? I thought he already said it, though. Or didn't he? Uh, maybe you're right. I don't, I don't write the script, sweetheart. I can just... <laughs> you know, True. You are correct. Yeah, you're right. He is setting the alarm or setting the... Uh, so my favorite part about that whole sequence is that Lee uses, well, not my favorite part. One of my favorite parts about that whole sequence is that Lee uses the pipe not to hit the guy over yeah. the head with it, but to distract him. Yeah. And then they fight and he knocks the guy down and he grabs the explosive and pulls the timer out of it. And then he's like doing this with the explosive, like, ah, yeah. I got it. Get it out. Don't worry about it. He's thinking, fool, you dropped that. Yeah. He's super sweaty, too, man. Yeah, yeah you're right. I never even thought of that. He just like. It's a sweaty episode. You're right. That's hilarious. It's He's a sweaty Freddy. Rollins is knocked out with the, the steam. Is he dead? I don't know. He knocked him out. And he's quite uh, steamy now. Uh, so now we're back at the agency. Yeah, Dottie's hair is a little. I, I'm not a fan of this one so much. It's at 4409. It's yeah. very page boyish. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Yeah, it's got a little bit of like, um, I don't know. It's just not her best. Yeah, it's, it's not just her not her best. best. Yeah, it's just not her best. It's That's all. Yeah. She's still cute as a button. I like her top yeah. too. Uh, so Amanda's on the phone and she's calling in to check on Laura and uh, is told that she's going to be okay. And then uh, Philip runs in and then Amanda says, could you get, leave a message for me, please? And say, could you tell her that Lee and I will be by to see her tomorrow? So that lets us know that everything's tied up, that Laura's going to be fine. And that uh, now we know Mayfield and all his cohorts are going to be fine. So um, the only one who didn't make it out of this was Donaldson and maybe Rollins, but I think Rollins made it out fine too. I'm sure they caught him. Dottie tells Amanda to have her uh, go tell uh, Lee and Jamie that dinner is ready. So she goes out and she's right at the door and she gets a nice little, a nice moment between a little, a breakthrough finally, I think with uh, yeah. Lee and, and Jamie. And over their shared interest of um, crazy sweaters. Yeah, apparently. I was going to say, I was looking at I was looking at Lee's, but but uh, Jamie's is a little weird, too. Yeah. My wife said, we're watching today. My wife goes, hey, they're wearing the same outfit. <laughs> yeah, basically. They're like, we call them Bill Cosby out, uh, sweaters, you know? Yeah. that. Remember that? That look? Hushable sweaters. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's funny. And then, hey... Do you think it'll be in the encyclopedia? <laughs> Word. Aww. Let's go look. Remember encyclopedias? Now we have the World Wide Web. We don't yeah. need them anymore. But we had, I uh, mean, did you did you have that, Greg, growing up? Did your parents have the whole encyclopedia Britannica like, like mine did? Yes. Oh, and yeah. You just pull one off the yeah. shelf and just start reading it. You would just see, uh, it would be all this cool stuff, you know? It was like Wikipedia, but yes. actual inf- factual information that was helpful. Well, yeah, I, I love a good old-fashioned encyclopedia. Oh, yeah, great. for sure. They are, 
using a camera. So this is kind of where everybody gets, you know, in the fandom, they get the idea that uh, Jamie's going to be a photographer or journalist or something of that nature. It's interesting that supposed film director uh, doesn't know how the film actually gets gets processed and, and that's and, a great point yeah I didn't even think about that. yeah it's just kind of funny yeah. like uh. and and jamie is no scholar road scholar so he doesn't put two and two together <laughs> <laughs> you should know that you should know yeah. that buddy but it's it's a it's a oh. cute moment and he gives amanda a little wink that's sweet he goes that's the wide angle that's neat but how does the picture get onto the film <laughs> he's like uh, looks over at Amanda. To tell you the truth, I'm not quite sure, even though it's part of my life, supposedly. <laughs> so he runs in and, uh, oh, that sweater is horrific. Yours is better. Jamie's is better than uh, Lee's, that's for sure. But it's sweet. He's like, I think I'm finally on the right track. And she says, yeah. And then they kiss. And then she tells him to get in. Oh, it's so sweet. Little family moment. And then that ends. Uh, the The script ending is a little different. Um, not much, though. So the whole thing with Lee and Jamie is the same. Lee says, yeah, it's a good chance that it's in there. Why don't you go get started? I'll be right along. As Jamie zips past her and heads into the house, Lee turns to Amanda. And Lee shrugs and says, patience. And off her smile, we freeze frame and fade out. I like what we got better. I do, too. But it's good. It was sweet. Yeah. It's time again for Dottie's Bookshelf. Dottie pulled together a few fan fictions that tie into the episode. Her first recommendation is Key to My Heart by Lainey Sullivan. This story was written in December 2015 and has less than a thousand words. We get some insight into Lee's feelings about going back to work while Amanda's still recovering from her shooting. Dottie's second recommendation is Thunder in the Night by Shell. The story was written in February 2001 and has two versions, one with only dialogue and one with dialogue and descriptions, for a total of about 7,500 words. This story takes place just after One Flew East and gives us a rare glimpse between Lee and Amanda during a thunderstorm. We hope you'll check these stories out. We provided links on our website at mkcpodcast.com in our show notes. Ernie the Camera brings you videos from the vault for the episode One Flew East. This is one of the only episodes we get to see Lee and Amanda settling into married life and Lee as a stepfather. The first video is based on the song, I Finally Found Someone by Barbara Streisand, and the video is put together by Tessa Kendall McKenzie. This video starts with the touching scene between Amanda and Jamie, where she assures him there's a place in her life for both him and Lee. Aww. The second video is based on the song, I Want to Grow Old With You by Westlife, and the video is by Love S&K. This video really highlights the commitment of Lee in jumping in and being a stepfather and building those relationships with the boys. All of which can be emotionally stressful, but it shows his commitment to be in it for the long haul. You can find these videos by searching YouTube, and we've also provided links on our website at mkcpodcast.com. Greg, did you have anything you wanted to add in there? Like anything that you are doing that want to promote or anything like that no i'm not really doing anything right now you're busy i know um, but i just want to make sure yeah, I'm, I'm a little preoccupied yeah here. i'm sure um, okay i will i do have a list of uh things that i do want to uh write so um oh, cool. here when uh, school gets finished and i'll have more time to to be a little bit more creative uh, yeah i'm hoping to post some new stuff. So awesome. if people just want to, um, you know, be sure to check out get back into the website. Uh, that'd be awesome. Okay. And that's MortonDesignWorks.com. Morton Design Works. 
Facebook.com. All right. Thanks again to you, Greg, for joining us again in season four. We've so appreciated your participation and good humor throughout our podcast series. As always, thanks again to our listeners for tuning in to our latest episode, One Flew East. Join us next time as we chat about all that glitters. For more fun, check us out on Facebook and Twitter at Mrs. King's Chronicles and our private Facebook group at MKC Podcast. Until next time, bye. 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 Oh, always, always welcome. You're an honorary member of the zoo. We'll uh, we'll have to, for some other reason, we'll have to do this again. Yes, for sure. Definitely. 40th reunion and an MKC reunion. Yes, that would be fun. That would be fun. All right, ladies. Have a good one, guys. Thank you. Be safe. Have a good one. Bye.